Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Paddle Pod, your weekly podcast covering professional paddle presented by Hugh and Gons. We're on to episode 32. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hugo. It's great to have you here. What a tournament we've had. But first, let me ask you, how are you doing? Well, Gons, you know very well how I'm doing. I'm ecstatic because for those of you who don't know, which is basically everyone but us, we just <laughs> played a paddle match. It was very tight, but we won in the tiebreak of the third set. So, come on, the boys, is the summary. Tough match, but we managed to make it through. And, well, yeah, just um, moving on from that, because a lot of you won't care very much about that at all. This will be our penultimate episode of the year, if I'm not mistaken. And, well, I've got to be honest, I'm quite sad. I've had a, I've just had so much fun and I can't, just can't wait for 2024. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll analyze the year prop, uh, in, a, in a more proper way, probably next episode once the paddle calendar year ends as well. But uh, yeah, I still think that we've got a very juicy episode in our hands because uh, we've obviously just gone with the Milan P1 Premier Paddle open which was the last premier paddle tournament of the season and oh my what a tournament it has been uh, i can't remember the number of matches that have been this good i think especially how given how late in the year it is where maybe you could expect the level to drop a bit players being just tired wear and tear of the whole season but they didn't disappoint in this tournament so yeah maybe i think we should just go through those epic matches one by one in a bit of a chronological order, because if not, it can get quite out of hand and quite messy. What do you think, Hugo? Totally agree. And I don't know what you think about this, but I genuinely feel that was the best tournament season in terms of the players' levels. I honestly, so many matches were of such a high level that I genuinely think, also given that we now have the top three seeds playing at pretty much their peak level, maybe not Dabiagwayo, but definitely Stubandineno and definitely Lebrangalan. So in my eyes, in terms of the level of matches, it was the best tournament all season. Do you agree, Gons? I think as the overall tournament, yes. I think the final was very close and very equal. It really could have gone either way. But maybe in terms of level, I think there have been other finals that level was a bit better. But when you look at the whole, the tournament as a whole, I thought that it was very good level. But yeah, I think the final, for example, to me, the final in, in, in La Rioja, that epic match where there was the controversy between Coyo and Tapia and... Uh, and, and Lebron Angalan was just epic. I feel like this final, potentially, there were a lot of unforced errors. And I think that there were a lot of winners, but a lot of unforced errors. So I think that potentially other finals, uh, Biro as well, c- comes to comes to mind. That was incredible. Um, and Valladolid as well. So, so, yeah, I think maybe the level was a bit better just that final like the, the final in, in other tournaments but yeah as a, as a whole the, in general the tournament is probably one of the 
the better levels we've seen, and, and at least in terms of just parity and 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 equalness to call it away, I think definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, well, given that you mentioned we should probably go through it in a chronological order, shall we kick off with the quarterfinals match between Goyon Dabia and Momo González and Javi Garrido? Gons, initial thoughts? Yeah, I think this was definitely the best match we've seen from Momo González and Javi Garrido. I think it was the best match we've seen from Momo González as a right-handed player. And um, I want to get your thoughts on this. Maybe you are actually going to disagree with what I'm going to say here, but I still think that Momo in the long run is going to be better off as a left-sided player. But obviously, this was his best right-sided game. I guess he has to continue and do a full season. Like, in a way, it will be a bit foolish to think that it will be a bit foolish to just when you're at your best level and potentially it was definitely his best game on the right side to just like throw that away but I think it'll be a bit like Paquito's um, end of the year in the right where he won the Mexico Open and he did say this later on at the beginning of the 2023 season when he then changed back that he that he actually looking back in hindsight that was a bit of like a a, a facade and, and actually didn't do him any good so I think it, honestly in the long run it's going to be like this for for Momo and I think that we've sort of discussed it but it, he, he will be at his best I think on the left with a player of the likes of Alex Reith or, or Yanguas for example but yeah I mean you can't just all of a sudden change back to the left when you've just had your best game and your best tournament probably on the right and in terms of the match overall, it was absolutely amazing. I think Garrido as well stepped up, which was good to see. I think in the last couple of matches, it was something that has been lacking from, from him. But obviously the court conditions, given how fast it was in Milan, benefited his game style and given how aggressive he is and how good his overhead game is. And then again, I felt like Coelho Tapia weren't as dangerous as they've been. I don't think players are as scared as they used to be. But I just think that this is definitely down to end of the year. They've made it. They're number ones. They weren't really going to get anywhere further on in Premier Paddle. Um, actually, Coelho has ended the year as number one player in, in Premier Paddle ranked. So, yeah, I think a, a lack of motivation and just the, the wear and tear of the whole year and objectives already being accomplished probably means that we haven't seen the level of Koyan Tapia that we know they can offer. So yeah, give it back to you, Hugo. What are your thoughts? Well, to just break down your answer into two parts. So firstly, your controversial and, well, ambitious statement regarding Momo. I think... Being honest, I'd probably say that most people would agree with you in terms of thinking that Momo has played on the backhand most of his life. I know that he did play on the forehand for some of his junior years and he enjoyed it a lot. So I think that's why one of the reasons why he's trying it again. So I do think that if, you, if I was a betting man, the odds would say that 
Momos should return to the backhand to achieve his best results. However, I have a feeling that Momo would probably reach a higher ranking and aspire to win more matches and more tournaments by staying on the forehand side of the court. And I'll tell you why. I think it's because backhand players overall are slightly better than forehand players. And so I feel that Momo could potentially at some point maybe team up with Paquito Navarro if he stayed on the forehand side of the court. And I think with Paquito, he probably would be able to win tournaments. Whereas I just feel that if he stays on the backhand side of the court, unless he teamed up with Lebron, if Lebron was to split from Galan, I don't really see him winning tournaments next to Alex Ruiz, even though I do think that would be a great partnership for him. Even John Sanz and most of other forehand players. So I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying, but I just genuinely feel that he, if he stays on the right, he would probably get a chance to play with one of the top backhand players at some point, And that would give him a chance to win tournaments and aspire to probably a higher ranking than if he played on backhand. But that's just my opinion. And then talking about the game, well, the quarterfinals match against Goyan Tapia, it's great to see that Javi Garrido is finally reaching some sort of regularity in his game, which we always said was basically the thing that he lacked the most. And it was definitely Momo's best match on the forehand side. I mean, he just dominated. I do have to say that even though the court conditions were pretty much perfect for Goyan Dabia, the fact that the game basically went crazy was very good for Momo and Garrido because Momo... That's basically Momo's best ecosystem. We've seen him, when the matches go crazy, he is. He just feels like that's the perfect habitat to, well, for him. And I just think that chaos is where he finds himself the most comfortable because he's so good at playing those trick shots and his reactions are one of the best on tour. So, yes, sensational game. And I do agree that I think that Goyo and Dabia probably struggled to put that game away in two sets, which we would probably expect it due to fatigue and also maybe the fact that they've already reached the number one position and they're maybe lacking a bit of ambition right now. So I do agree. But just to finalise on the point regarding Momo and the forehand slash backhand side, do you see what I'm saying? Would you agree at all? Yeah, uh, I see what you're saying, but I do have doubts if, even if Momo stays on the right, would he ever be able to get a top left-sided player where he would be able to achieve that ranking? Because uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be at the level required on the right-hand side to essentially attract a very good left-sided player that then would take them, give them a very good chance to, to win tournaments. I think... For example, I mean, Paquito is a great example. And I believe that I think with Paquito, to be honest, I think with Paquito, we're probably heading into a time where he's just going to be not as good, let's say. I think maybe he, I think he's still got like a full good year and then maybe the next one. But definitely, I don't see him in three years' time being the level that he is now. And I just think that. 
I'm not sure if Momo would be able to attract, say, on, on the right side, I don't know, players like Ali Alan, Stupa, at least at, at this level. And I think that, as you mentioned, and it's a very good point, Mil- Milan was like perfect condition for him. And I completely agree that he almost is in these environments where the ball is so fast, can bounce a lot, the game is very quick and it's very chaotic. He almost finds a sense of control, a sense of peace and actually manages to control the game very well. You've alluded to his, his like reaction speed, which is insane. His physical prowess, I think he can move around the court so fast. And I just don't believe that that's going to be this, those conditions are just going to hold true to every single tournament out there. I still think that he's not a true right-sided player where he can dominate different tempos of the game. I would really like to see him in a very slow court and just being able to play a very slow game and being able to lob effectively, play Chiquitas effectively. And yeah, I, I'm not sure that his game style would ever get to that level on the right where he would be able to be a, a let's say a very attractive right-sided player for those top top like left-sided players who knows maybe obviously he can he can develop this but i'm i'm basically leaning more towards this is going to be very similar to Paquito last year where he won a tournament and then all of a sudden he probably thought like yes i'm definitely going to be a great right-sided player and i mean Let's stick to the facts. They still didn't make the semifinals. They still lost against Koya and Tapia. So, yeah, great game, but you still lost. And, yeah, I'm just I'm just a bit wary. I think teaming up with someone, with a, with a left-handed player, I think that could be a, a very good partnership. And, and we've seen it with Alex Ruth where he's won tournaments. So so let's see if, um, if that happens or not. But... I mean, from his perspective, it would be foolish, I think, not to give himself a chance at least for a full preseason after ending the year probably at at his best. Funnily enough, that's actually my bigger worry. He might actually just go back to the backhand because he finds a great partner on the forehand and just says, hey, I'm actually going to go back to my natural position. So that's slightly my bigger worry. I do think that if he gave himself time on the forehand, he would perform. And in the long run, it could potentially be beneficial, but I may be wrong. I guess we'll see. But um, moving on to the semifinals. So maybe we could just touch on the semifinal between Guayon Dabia and Stubandineno briefly. I do think that Stubandineno dominated that semifinal throughout. It was tight. It was close. The sets weren't very uneven. But I think in the key moments, you always felt that Stubandineno were more in control of it. And I genuinely feel that I wouldn't say it's all down to Arturo Goy, you're not playing at the level that he's been playing all season. But I do think that he's slightly more at fault than Austin Dabia. Austin Dabia has actually, in my eyes, played a sensational tournament. Maybe not as good as he, he's been playing all season, particularly in terms of his smash. I don't think it's being as accurate. And also, he just isn't smashing as much, which probably means that his confidence with that shot, has gone down. But I just think Arturo Goyo, his overhead play, has almost completely disappeared. He's very good at the net, very good at blocking, but I just have a feeling that they, well, opponents play the lob to Arturo Goyo because he's really not managing to hit the ball hard enough to bring it back to his core 
without getting found out at the net. And his rule law isn't really working very well. He's kind of tucking it into the glass at the back of the court. And so it's all, it's quite easy for the forehand player normally to return it. And Martin Nino wasn't really struggling with it. So, yeah, as I say, very deserved for the Super Pibes. And, yeah, I just wanted to highlight Stupa's performance in particular. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, I think Stupa definitely carried uh, the, the partnership and even in the final as well. And we'll probably talk about that shortly. But, yeah, I very much agree with you. I think that the end of the year for Coelho has been a bit tough. I don't think he's definitely at the level that he was at the beginning of the season. I think arguably even at the beginning of the season, there were times where you would say he was even better than Tapia and arguably the best player in the world. But I th- I just feel like there's a level of inconsistency that we just hadn't seen before. I think that he mixes one incredible shot where he does his backhand volley that almost gets it out of the court but then all of a sudden the next shot is an incredibly bad lob uh, sorry an, an incredibly bad smash where I actually saw him his smash like directly on the glass like didn't even get it correctly which you just so rarely see professional players do that you see me doing that <laughs> not not at Puro <laughs> and and yeah I feel like I don't know if you see a level of frustration coming on with Tapia. There was a moment where Coelho, actually, this was just, I think this just summarizes how Coelho is feeling at the moment. There was a there was a point, and it was, I can't remember exactly the score, but I felt like it, it was basically the point to win a game, and it was quite important. And he just like slipped almost, and then the ball just hit it on the net. And I remember the one you literally see the camera turning to Tapia and he's holding his hands in his face, like almost thinking like, oh, my God, what was that? And I just feel like there's a level of frustration there potentially. And it has been maybe growing in the last couple of tournaments. I don't know what you think. I mean, obviously, they're not going to split up. And I just think that, yeah, this is just sort of end of year. They've done it all. Like, I mean, what we can't ask for them to to just continue to to be at the same level of motivation once they've completely achieved what they wanted to achieve. They've won every single, they won all the tournaments probably even more than they ever imagined. So they, I think they just need a big rest um, and, and focus on 2024. But yeah, I, just, I do want to get your thoughts on that. Let's say, do you think that Tapia is maybe growing a bit in frustration with, with Coelho? I think that he has shown a bit of frustration in a well in a few moments during matches, but I've got to be honest. Like for example, reading his Instagram post after the match, it's him smiling on the bench and also another photo with Guayo and just saying, basically said, "I'm very happy because I know that we gave it all." And he's he said something like, "We're in this together. We're always together," and tagged out the Guayo. So. I just, I genuinely feel that even though sometimes he must feel amazed by some of the mistakes that Coelho has been doing very recently, I just think that he understands that a player's level fluctuates throughout the season and he's got to be supporting Coelho because paddle is a very mental sport and it's something that I've realised a lot. When you're playing with a partner and he's not having his best game, if he sees that you're getting frustrated at him, 
he's going to play even worse. It, I just, it just happened to me so many times. And it's a very important part of paddle is trying to keep your partner motivated and encouraging him throughout the whole match, no matter how badly the match is going. Because if he feels your frustration, he's going to play even worse. So I understand what you're saying. And I did see that moment when Tabia had his head in his hands after that slip up from Goyo. But I genuinely feel that he understands that they've achieved their they've achieved their objective, sorry. And in twenty twenty four they're gonna be up and firing. So I just I don't have any doubt about that to be honest. Yeah, I'm not really scared for the partnership at all or have any doubts at their mm. what the what they can achieve or are they even gonna be in contention for next year. I mean I think there's more evidence like there's such a strong case and so much evidence out there that they are definitely I mean yeah the be- one of the best pairs and, and they will be but uh, yeah I think probably the end of the season is maybe not what they expected even though they did clinch the number one so can't argue against that and to be fair when it mattered most so when they had to basically perform to secure the number one spot they went and won the tournament so, yeah, I just think that when it really matters, they pick it up. Yeah, nice. And then moving into the other semi-final, it was Lebron Angalan against Paquito Antingoto, which was a very tasty semi-final. But obviously, it ended two sets to one for Lebron Angalan. We actually both predicted that. And I just feel like it was a bit of a deja vu. I think it was one of those classic Paquito Antingoto semi-final matches where they have to face one of the top three pairs and they pull a set the first two sets they are incredible they either win the first one or the second but then they just deflate in the third set because Paquito is basically gassed and I just feel like that is a trend that will continue into next year nonetheless they did give us an incredible match but yeah I almost feel like if Paquito is able to sustain that level and that physical intensity that he has in the, those first two sets, I definitely felt feel like they would have won the tournament this year. Yeah, I do agree. I really think that Paquito's physique is slightly letting him down right now. And to be honest, I'm sure that he is unbelievably fit. Don't get me wrong. The thing is, is he's playing against, in my eyes, the fittest pair on tour. I think... Lebron Galan and Stupa are the three fittest players on tour and Lebron and Galan play together. So it was just such a, an intense match. And obviously Paquito is having to play more shots and gets more of the ball than Chingoto. So, yeah, I just think that towards the end of the match, you could see that even though they ended up winning the second set after a few mistakes on behalf of Lebron and Galan, you could see that in the third set, unless something went completely wrong and Lebron and Galan would have lost their heads. You just saw that Lebron and Galan would take it over the line at some point. So, yeah, to be honest, those are my main thoughts about the semi-final. A bit of a deja vu, as you mentioned very rightly. And just thinking right now, off the top of my head, would Paquito benefit from teaming up with a lefty? I think it's a very interesting shout. Definitely, because I think that 
where he wears down. And to be honest, I think it wears both both players down because essentially you've got on one side Paquito taking all of the offensive load. And then on the other side, you've got Chingoto taking all the defensive load. So Chingoto still plays an incredible amount of volume. Like if you see most of the times, they're all, obviously they always target him for the lobs. So he does play a lot. He obviously takes defensively most of the court and he's running around all the time. But then Paquito, probably the shots that are the most demanding physically wise, where you just hammering your your shoulder and your arms are the overhead shots and he takes all of them basically so i feel like it almost doesn't benefit either of them physically i I also generally felt like in this match chingoto in the third set was gassed as well so i definitely think that paquito would benefit from a left lefty to then essentially being able to share the load both offensively and defensively. And, and I do think Paquito is more than capable defensively to, to hold his ground. He definitely has a very good sense of, of the double glass. He comes out lobbing with, with a, essentially a, a backhand lob of the glass really well. So I see him quite comfortable being at the back of the court, maybe not in terms of like just being mobile and, and running around like Chingoto does, but I think definitely that would benefit him but we'll see with with Sanjo how how that how that is going to go but yeah it's going to be very very interesting i actually think that a great option for Paquito would be John Sant it would be a very explosive partnership but i just think that John Sant would be able to take a lot of the offensive load he's got a number of smash very good volleying and he's quite good defensively as well so I just genuinely think that that partnership could work well. I, I'm also thinking Alex Reith, just because offensively he's so powerful and really, really good. However, I have a bit of more faith in John Sanz than Alex Reith, as you know. So, yeah, we'll see how Magido does with Sanyo, I guess. But um, shall we move on to the epic final? Yeah, I don't think there's another word to describe the final. I think epic is the right word because that was absolutely insane. 7-6, And my word, I generally don't know. I think it literally could have gone either way. I was sort of, it was so annoying how actually the match ended, the last point. I feel like even... <laughs> I even feel like Stupa and Dineno were both like actually in shock. They were like, did we just lose the match? Like on that point, <laughs> I, I don't think they, either of them expected to like, just miss that. But leaving that aside, I think it was an absolute epic match. I think it was so close because there were moments where you felt like, oh, Laura Mangalan definitely have this. And then, in other moments, you were like, oh, the Super Vives definitely have this. But the momentum swings were literally just game by game momentum swings. Like they weren't even, you normally have phases of matches where one pair is playing better than the other. But, and it's normally either a whole set or like three, four games. But this was literally like game by game. You were thinking like, okay, now this pair has got it. And now that pair has got it. I think it was just that equal. The smashes were absolutely insane. I think... Galan, you've mentioned this to me offline, but Galan right now has the best match on tour. 
I don't. Th- I mean, I don't even think it's, it's, it's debatable. Unquestionable. It's just <laughs> absolutely insane from anywhere on court. He's an absolute danger, and given how the conditions were, it was just ridiculous. I think LeBron as well had very good points from the smash. I feel like LeBron was a bit more inconsistent. He had amazing points, but then he had very just amazing, like almost shocking unforced errors. So he was a bit more inconsistent. I think Galan for me probably edges the MVP, but then another massive shout out as well to Stuba. I think he was absolutely insane. The first set, smashing wise as well, just incredible. Like was bringing back everything. Galan and Leron couldn't jump to 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 his shots. Then he had a phase where his he was he, he was sort of selling himself a bit and his smash wasn't as strong, but then he started to do a bit more of the rulo and playing that, and that seemed to work as well. So, yeah, it was an absolute masterclass, I think, and it was an epic match to see. And, uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts, Hugo? So my initial thought is that final is definitely amongst the top three finals all season. I would say that the final in Biro, where Goya and Dabia were crowned number ones for the first time against Lamarangalan. It's probably the best match in terms of level and just how epic it was. I remember watching it and because the number one position was in play, I do think that that's what made it the best final of 2023. And I think that another epic match was when the Super Bives beat Goyo and Dabia for the second time in the season, but for the first time after a lot of matches that they lost on the trot against them when they beat them in Valladolid and they obviously beat them playing in outdoor conditions and very hot conditions, which on paper were perfect for Dabian Goyo. And Dabian Goyo were in their prime at that point of the season. So I don't know whether that would rank it second after Vigo or maybe third after Vigo and Valladolid. This final was sensational. I mean, three tie breaks. I don't think I've ever watched any other match that's gone to three tie breaks. I may be wrong. But yeah, Stupa, funnily enough, was actually chosen as the MVP of the final. And well, just to put into perspective, he won, he had 50 winners in the final. 50 winners. He did have a lot of unforced errors, but I think quite a few of the players had them. But 50 winners. I don't think I've racked up 50 winners in my last 15 matches playing paddle. So it just shows Stupa's level. And I think that potentially... Well, I did think that Leveron Angalan dominated that match, even though it went to three tie breaks and it could have gone e- e- either way because I just felt that when Lebanon and Galan lost that second set, it was more down to them making mistakes. I remember watching that second, well, the tiebreak of that second set, and Galan and Lebanon went for three smashes in a row and got caught three times in a row. And that's what basically decided that set. So I just think that they did dominate, even though it went down to the line and it was so even. And to be totally honest, I think that what set both pairs slightly apart was the fact that Galan and Stubau were pretty much at the same level. 
But Leveron played a little bit better than Dineno. He obviously racked up a lot more winners. And I didn't think that Dineno's smashing was particularly on point. I know that it's not his strong point, but we've seen him smash and even carry the partnership with Stupa at moments during the season. And I just felt that everyone else, all the other players, Leveron, Galan, Stupa, were a 10 out of 10. And maybe he was a 9.5. Yeah, I think Dineno's smash was effective. As in, when he did do it, it almost was a winner. But I potentially, he didn't do enough. He didn't have enough winners. He didn't try enough. And I think in other time, like in, in, in other matches, we've definitely seen him use the smash a lot. And the conditions in Milan were probably perfect for it. I think we've seen almost all players smashing in this tournament, even Momo. I think Momo against Koyan Tapia was smashing so much. I don't think I've ever seen him smash that much and Momo never really smashes. So yeah, potentially definitely could have done more. He did a few and those were good. But then, um, I, I, to be fair, I, I definitely think that Stupa could be, is a good chap for MVP, even though they lost. I mean, yeah, lost for the finest of margins. Uh, so yeah, I think the MVP could have really gone to either Stupa, Lebron, or or Galan. Per se, I would have given it to Galan. And then, I on your point of I guess Lebron and Galan dominating, I see what you mean. I mean they did also have three tournament points in the second set, so it definitely should have gone probably their way even sooner than it eventually did. But I almost felt honestly like. In the third set, they, there was a bit of a momentum swing. I, and I honestly felt like, uh, sorry, Los Superpibes were going to take it. Um, and uh, and yeah, but I mean, regardless, it was just an epic final. It was so close and definitely one of the top three finals that we've seen this year. But uh, yeah, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. But before closing off, we are going to have a last section and talk about the race, which, to be honest, I'm not even sure I do want to talk about. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Hugo, because I'm not very happy right now. <laughs> well, just to summarise last week's tournament in Milan, basically Gon's made up a point on me, so he's reduced the difference from 11 points to 10 going into this week's Barcelona Master Final, so the last tournament of the season. Obviously, 10 points is a bit of a chunk, a bit of a difference, but it's not absolutely impossible or mathematically not possible. And we've, well, seen how many times have we seen Real Madrid come back when it was impossible? I mean, you never know. This is pretty impossible because there's 10 available points. So you basically have to get nothing right and I have to get everything correct. So I'm not even sure Real Madrid could come back from this, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe we should, we should just go ahead with our shouts and our kickoff. Just to summarise what the quarterfinals are. Goyon Dabia against Sanyo and Yanguas. Ruiz and Tello against Navarro and Chingoto. Galán and Lebron against Nieto and Sanz and Momo and Garrido against Dineno and Stupa. Now, looking at that, I genuinely feel that there, quite be, there could be quite a few surprises. 
We saw how the Nino and Chingoto got to the final last season. But I don't really think that'll be the case this year. So my shouts are the first semi-final will be Goyan Tapia against Chingoto and Navarro. And the second semi-final will be Alana Lebron against Dineno and Stupa. I think the outcome of the first semi-final will be two sets to love for Goyan Tapia. And then the outcome of the second semi-final, I've really struggled. But I've gone for two sets to love for Alana Lebron against Stupa and Dineno. And then the final, we all want to watch the Bombarderos against Lebron and Galan in who knows, maybe their last match together for now. I actually think Goyo and Tapia will win that match. Two sets to love. Over okay. to you, guys. Very interesting, actually, that you've gone for that. Also, by the way, little hindsight, I've seen that the surface is going to be the black surface, and that's been historically quite a slow surface. So we'll see. We'll see if Goyo and Tapia do make it. I mean, I'm going to go really just completely opposite because I have to. Um, that's the only way, really. So I'm going to go with... Uh, Gutierrez Yanguas against Ruiz Tello and I'm going to go with <laughs> Nieto Sanz against uh, Garrido and Gonzalez um, and I'm going to go with Ruiz Tello two sets to one against uh, Gutierrez and Yanguas and then I'm going to go with Nieto Sanz two sets to one and then in the final I'm going to go with Nieto Sanz two sets to one Well there you go I mean to be fair Nieto Sanz are a sensational pair and you never know what can happen. It's the first time that they'll both be playing in the Master Final. It'll be the first time that Yanguas and Garrido make it as well. So very excited to watch it. And if you do get all those shouts right, Gons, you deserve to win. That's yeah. all I could say. Yeah, I think though, in a way I do, but I'm also like doing it and I'm not even believing in it. So... But yeah, we, we shall see. It's going to be very exciting nonetheless. But I think that wraps up the episode, Hugo. It's been a blast as always. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed that episode and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, please do watch the Master Final, guys. World Panel Tour's last ever tournament. I'm sure it will be epic. Have a great week and speak very soon.